The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. America Network. I'm in Phoenix living like it matters. Whoa. That was a real deep breath that I just took there. Um, you know, I always like to start to show off a little bit to tell you what matters to me and what matters to me this this time around. It is something that matters to not only me, but it matters to probably everybody in, in the world. And and that's 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 children. And for whatever reason. I have no answers. There are many people out there, and I'm sure they do not have answers. But what we've all experienced this past weekend, especially here in the United States of America, where the information has been shared with the world, is a, it was a sad day. It, it was a sad day, and, and probably in one of what we would think would be one of the most safe places to be, and that is at a school. And, and again, our, our schools find themselves uh, threatened by those people, perhaps maybe sometimes that are not in control of their own thoughts and their own desires and wishes and whatever you want to you want to try to add words to to try to give some indication of bringing some sense to what has just happened. But there are no words to explain uh, what happened. Uh, it was a, a tragedy. We all know what happened in, in Connecticut. And uh, Newtown, Connecticut, so many young children lost their lives, adults, some of the bravest people that ever walked this planet tried to hide and shield children, and um, they fell victim to a senseless act. Uh, but like I always do, I, I want to take time and provide a moment of silence for reflection and for me to pray. And for you out there, if, if you pray to whatever God you pray to, just just pray. And I'm going to take time out and I'm going to pray to my Heavenly Father, Jesus Christ, in my moment of silence. So let's have this moment of silence, if you will, for all those victims, all those children that we lost last week in Connecticut. And the adults, the teachers, the principal. That were there trying to do the best they could to protect our children. So a moment of silence. Okay, we're back. And and before I go into, because I, I want to go deep into this. You know, one thing about, you know, what I do here at Voice America is, is, is many times is not here because I try to give factual information based upon my experience in things that are happening today. In, in sports, not just on the field, but off the field. But, you know, sometimes even that information 
it becomes a story, you know, particularly when we move to video storytellers. Steve Stable, you know, Steve Stable, God bless his soul. NFL Films, one of the best storytellers ever existed in the world. And I was so proud to know the man. Uh, he wasn't one of my best friends that we were hanging out all the time. He and I weren't buddy chum, chum, chum like that. But when he saw me, he respected me. I respected him. Of course, we knew who each other were and respected our work. He respected my work. And um, because of him, my work will be seen forever. You know, it'll be out there forever. As long as there's an Internet, uh, content will be out there. And, and I will be, you know, there forever for people to Google, research, take a look at, watch, enjoy, whatever. But he's a storyteller. And, uh, you know, I like to think that I can tell some stories sometimes. And so in my own little way, I, I have this little story that, that I, I kind of came up with. And it's kind of a tribute to one of those young men that perhaps maybe lost their lives. You know, I went to see Kevin Hart, my, my wife and I went to see Kevin Hart. Shout out to Kevin Hart, you know, homeboy from the city of brotherly love. Philadelphia, Pennsylvania was here in Phoenix. And, you know, during, during his stand-up, you know, you know, Kevin did this little thing. He tells this little joke about his son. His, I guess his son kind of got into a little riffraff with somebody else. You know, I don't know if they were playing at school where they were, but, you know, Kevin was trying to, you know, show his son how to protect himself. And, you know, uh, he didn't want to be a little chump, you know. And so I guess his son might have, you know, kind of got, I don't know if he got beat up or what, but one thing I will say is that his son, in his own way, in his own mind, you know, was going to protect himself. And when he went out to protect himself, you know, based upon what he thought would secure his, you know, himself in this fight and bring, make him victorious, was that he, after all, he'd been watching Spider-Man, he just, boom, he just wanted to kind of push his palms out there and boom, and the spider web was going to get, you know, put the other guy, get him all entangled into the web, and he would win the fight. <laughs> and Kevin could tell the story. It's just so funny because this dude just could not believe Dad. I tried to do my Spider-Man. It didn't work. And I think he got beat up a little bit. Well, one of these little boys, and this is a true story. One of these little boys, you know, when the things went down in Connecticut, one of these little boys, you know, he had been watching so much stuff. I'm sure he might, he may have been, may even be taking karate lessons. But he was so brave that he internalized this thing in his own mind. And he thought that because he knew karate, he wanted to lead everybody out and he could handle it wow you know sometimes we think that kids don't process information they process it within their own world and what to them and to us may seem like some fictitious to them is real he, Kevin Hart's son thought man I'm supposed to, I'm throwing my thing out there my spider-man thing ain't working so homeboy must have grabbed him slammed him or something but it, it didn't work this Little guy thought he knew karate and he could handle it. He wanted to lead everybody out. So I kind of came up. I just pictured that little guy. And I just kind of came up my own little short story. And I'm just going to share it. And my, my short story, as I, as I see this, it's, it's a little boy. And a little boy looks at the gunman and he looks at him. He's, and he looks at him and, he, and he's laying down. He's looking at him. He said, why, why did you take my life? Jesus gave you your own. Why did you take mine? An angel came out of nowhere and told the little boy, that's okay. God has got another one for you. 
that nobody can ever take it from you, and it'll last forever and ever and ever. That's the end of my story. It was short, but to me it was sweet. Because I got to try to find a way to deal with this, and and it's kind of hard. Because I love children. I have children. And uh, that's my little story to the the little people. (laughs) All right, you listen to Rail Sports on the Voice America Network. It's time for me to, to, to share some information with some other folks as it relates to What's happening in the National Football League? What's happening in the world? And I can tell you one thing that's happening in the National Football League is we're getting ready for the playoffs to start. Tim Tebow is still on the news? Really? The Jets? Really? I mean, how embarrassing can it be for the New York Jets? I think I got my man Jeff Reeves back with me. Jeff, you there? I'm here, right? Hey, man, how you doing? I'm good, bro. How you doing? Man, I'm doing just wonderful. Jeff, I, I first of all, I want to let everybody know, listen, there, there are people out there in life who believe that sometimes... There's some things you just can't put aside. You know, life is just such that, listen, man, I don't like him. He don't like me, and we can't keep going for it. We can't do it. We don't like them. They don't like us. That's not true. That's not true because I got a homeboy right here. I don't know how he ended up in Michigan, but he did. That stayed up north. I said it. Forgive me, Coach Hayes. I said it. But Jeffrey's been an outstanding player not only in, in the University of Michigan but in the National Football League, and he is a very successful executive in corporate America, and we're talking about the Super Bowl coming up, which means there's some people who are not going to play in that Super Bowl, and they need to start getting themselves ready for life after football. But before we do that, Jeff, let's talk a little bit of football, man. Uh, of course, uh, the University of Michigan and the Ohio State University, man, uh, you know, we continue to have great games, and, and, and we like the competition. Uh, but tell me a little bit about the uh, University of Michigan, if, if you will, man. How are you guys feeling about the program, and, and what can we expect in the future up there at the University of Michigan? Well, Ray, first of all, thanks a lot, and, and uh, it's always good talking to you. Uh, you know, as far as the Michigan program, I think the Michigan program, uh, you know, we had our debacle there with Rich Rod and uh, one trying to take tradition out of uh, the program and, and go a different direction to now I think – uh, we got some stability, uh, starting to recruit the, the right type players uh, in the Big Ten. You know, you can't play Big Ten football with 250-pound defensive tackles when Wisconsin got 370-pound guys. So, you know, I say our program on the rise. Uh, you know, we uh, we had some stumbles this year, uh, but I think we've got a good nucleus coming back offensively next year. Uh, we've got some young brothers in the secondary defensively, but for the core, the core will be back. Uh, and hopefully we'll be competing back uh, to play in that championship game, uh, you know, against Ohio State next year uh, if we can uh, get things and pull things back together. Jeff, now, now let me ask you, 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 like me, are a very proud alum of your university. Uh, how yes. do you feel when you hear people talk about, you know, year after year, week after week, you know, game after game about the, the superiority of the SEC compared to the Big Ten? I don't think that they're, you know, superior to the Big Ten. I mean, how do you feel when you hear that that's a superior, you know, they're much a much better conference than the Big Ten? Do you agree with that? Do you, do you, well, I would just say best, uh, better conference. What I would say is, you know, those boys run year-round. So they're down there in that heat. And so the, the SEC has, I'd probably say, more speed than we have in the Big Ten because the Big Ten is more smash-mouth. Uh, big boys that can run, but you know, we're, you know, we're gonna come at you and we're gonna hit you. 
you know, the SEC is more finesse football. So, you know, overall, I mean, the SEC has done well these BCS, uh, BCS tournaments the uh, last four or five years. Uh, you know, like they won five of the last six. But from as far as, uh, you know, being superior, I still think, you know, there's nobody better than Michigan-Ohio State. I don't care what anybody says. Yeah, and I, I guess I got to. I got a little bit of a complex myself. Uh, certainly, I know our generation of playing ball, and, and even more recently. I mean, come on. I mean, I don't care what position you want to talk about. I still think we can compete with anybody out there. But it, it's good to have, the, the, you know, those fruitful kind of discussions, banter going back and forth. Uh, but right. uh, but if you will, I, I, I think there's an affinity you may have for the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, let's talk a little <laughs> bit about the Seahawks, man. I mean, Wow. I got, I got, uh, you know, some ties there with an old coach of mine by the name of Pete Carroll, who's my secondary coach. When we came, right. <clears throat> when we came up there in Michigan that one year and did win a game, you know, right. <laughs> at one year, I say that very humbly, one year we came up there and won That's a right. game. But, uh, you know, Pete was a coach, but now, you know, Pete's doing a good job, uh, in the National Football League and inserted a young man as a rookie into the starting lineup and is at the helm at quarterback and doing a damn good job. What, what do you think about your yeah. Seahawks? Well, you know, I, I think that uh, Pete, you know, this is Pete's second stint, and I think he's done. He learned from his first stint uh, with the Jets, and I think he's approached dealing with the young guys a lot differently. Uh, and these guys have bought into his system. You know, uh, you think about Wilson, the quarterback. You know, they went out and uh, and paid all that money for the quarterback to come in from Green Bay, thinking that he was going to be the man. But, you know, you, this, this young boy played well at North Carolina State. He played well at Wisconsin. And now he's proven that, you know, even though he's probably six foot five eleven, because you know how that goes, you know, when you're six foot you're 5'10", they tell you you're 6'1", uh, on the roster. Uh, the young brother's done well. That team is playing well. They're gelled together. They're at home the next two weeks. They're 6-0 at home. Uh, it's, you know, it's going to be tough keeping that team out of the, you know, they'll probably go and play in that first wild card game. But that's a team I would not want to play deep into the playoffs because they can beat you a lot of different ways. Okay, you're listening to uh, Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. Of course, got my friend with me, Jeff Reeves, who is the um, Vice President of Human uh, Resources at GTM Sportswear. Uh, Jeff, here's what I think we're going to have to do. We're going to take a break. Got my good friend Guy Troop on the line. Yeah. He's going to yeah. be with us on the other side of the break. Uh, but you said something about his second stint, Pete Carroll's second stint, and learning how to deal with the athletes this time around as opposed to the first time around. We're going to talk about that and kind of, you know, transition right into transitioning of which these young men are going to be faced with real soon in their life. You listen to Rail Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. We're going to take a break, and we'll be right back. to the pros we, we cover, everything. cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports 
So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the 3 is very much the one to beat. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely despise her, especially at 1-2. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a 9-horse field, but really there are 7 donkeys and 2 zebras. Playing to Win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. You may not know all their names, but you certainly know what they did. They helped make this game into what it is today. Now we can do more to help them. The NFL Alumni Association is proud to assist our retired players to help make their lives better today and tomorrow. To learn more, please visit NFLalumni.org. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Right, you hear the music, you know the show. You listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice of America Network. I'm in Phoenix living like it matters. It does matter to me. Of course, what happened in Connecticut this past weekend, and my prayers go out to all the families of all the children, and they're in a better place. They truly are in a much better place where they will live life forever in heaven. I'm going to join you all one day, so hold tight. You know. Uh, also want to uh, acknowledge the fact that uh, I got a good friend on the phone with me. And, of course, uh, you know, he made one mistake in his life, you know, choosing that school up north. But we're not going to say anything about that because it turned out to be a better decision for him than it was for me. After all, they beat us three out of those four years. But my, my good friend, Jeff Reeves, who is now uh, the uh, vice president of human resources at GTM Sportswear. And uh, before he... Uh, we went to break. Jeff and I started talking a little bit about Pete Carroll and, and, and his second stint around and perhaps maybe being a better coach because he's learning to deal with uh, these professional athletes, perhaps maybe in a different capacity than he was able to deal with the first time around. So with that being said, I want to bring my good friend Guy Troop into the conversation this time because uh, we're going to talk about just that. We're, we're going to talk about uh, dealing with professional athletes that are of a different generation than the professional athletes were that, that perhaps maybe when you look at myself and Jeff and, and the kind of uh, athlete that we produced and the mentality uh, and the expectations for that athlete then might have been different than what it is now. But certainly one thing for sure is that football and the affiliation with football will change, and they must be prepared to make some changes and adjustments in their lives or things are going to be very difficult for them in the transition. And one of the ways of which people out there are trying to support these athletes to facilitate the preparation for that transition is people like Guy Troop and Troop 21, who for the 13th year, I believe, will have its player networking event at this year's Super Bowl in New Orleans. Guy, if you will, 
please tell people why the need for a player networking event. Well, it's partly because the tunnel vision that athletes have to have to succeed at the highest level uh, is so great that uh, you have to structure things to, to help the athlete think about life after football. Uh, when you get to the point of playing competitive sports, whether that's SEC or Big Ten football or NFL football, there's a, there's a focus and a, and a tunnel vision necessary to really succeed. And if, if an athlete doesn't have that, then Joe Q. Public, the fan, uh, tends to, to call them less than committed and come up with all these terms to describe uh, how uh, uh, the lack of success or how incompetent an athlete might be. And so I, I don't want to get off on a tangent of, of, of what it takes to be a pro and, and how others really view that and judge that. But the reason that we thought of the networking event 13 years ago was that we, we knew athletes needed a venue where they could model certain behaviors by looking at executives, they could network with executives, and they could it, they could aspire to be like an executive. Uh, so the, the NFL, not for long, it's the best temporary job in the world. We structured uh, the player networking event to help those temporary employees look at future opportunities. Well, Guy, I, I have, uh, of course, uh, one of our fraternity brothers of athletics. Uh, Guy, you being an athlete yourself at, at the great university at Howard University playing ball there. Uh, this young man on the phone uh, played at that great university up north, University of Michigan, went on to play in, in the league with the Seattle Seahawks, who now is a corporate executive. Let me, let me ask you this, and, and, and by the way, you know this, but I'm just going to share this with the audience because they don't know this yet. Well, they know some of this. Uh, but, but Jeff, of course, is over there VP of Human Resources. You, uh, Guy, would, would approach somebody like Jeff to say what to him in case there's another corporation out there that perhaps maybe is seeing what opportunities might exist for them in trying to find resources of which you have an abundance of uh, through your relationship with the National Football League and its players. Uh, what might you say to a, uh, an executive like Jeff about your upcoming event and how he and why he might want to participate? Well, I, w I would start with uh – the need uh, that the executive might have. In this case, an HR professional is always looking for talent. And I believe football players are amongst the most talented in the world. The skill set that they've acquired as, foot, as athletes, the soft skills, the transferable skills, hard work, determination, teamwork, coachability, on and on. We talk about those all the time. And so I think that with the right coach, and the right in the right industry that athletes will flourish and, and Jeff is an example of that. So my my initial pitch would be can we create some mini me's, uh meaning mini Jeff. Hey Jeff and let me let me kind of uh role play with you. You you happen to be an executive, uh, a vice president of human resources there for GTM Sportswear. Uh you ha also happen to be a very successful and accomplished uh athlete. Uh, as you sit there in that chair and you make decisions and somebody like Guy would approach you many times, we can be, I say we as members of the fraternity can be our own worst enemies. Uh, rather than us wanting to embrace uh, other ball players, we perhaps maybe don't want, we want to run from other ball players. Uh, tell me perhaps maybe what you might look for 
uh, in, in an employee that you think you might find in terms of some intangibles and some tangible skills that you know that the right athlete may bring to your place of employment? Yeah, well, you know, Ray, the, the first thing, you know, as guy talked about is having those transferable skills. Uh, one of the key things is, you know, you want someone, first of all, with character. And, you know, whether we're on the field or whether we're in business, you want somebody with high character and high integrity. And what's my with a strong work ethic? And you know we have that work ethic because you know we wouldn't be in the league if we didn't have that work ethic. But but more more than that, you know, want somebody that has a eagerness to learn, uh, that's willing to to pay their dues, and and someone that uh, has that continuous appetite to learn and grow, uh, and be part of a winning team. And so we know how to win uh, on the field, but do we know how to win in the business world? And part of that is patience. Part of that is having the you know the uh, the aptitude to to grow, uh, as well as you know taking the opportunity for for one to say you know are are you going to, can you take me to the next level and what are your skill sets do you have the skill set now or do you have the aptitude to learn those skill sets to to help my organization be successful be what I'd be looking for uh, you know whether it's an athlete or, or Joe Blow off the street. I want someone that can come in and make a be a difference maker. Well, you know, since we're talking about athletes, let me just stay in in that in that space, if you will. I remember sitting with, uh, you know, first ballot Hall of Famer Will Shields, and and Will Shields, uh, when being interviewed last year at the Player Network event, he said to again another successful uh, uh, young man from the athletic world, uh, Spencer Tillman, said to Spencer, you know, Spencer. I'm okay. I'm comfortable when I'm on the football field. Uh, you know, I, I feel like I can take that guy out on the other side. But when I step outside of that and outside of my comfort zone and I walk into the hallways of corporate America, I'm a little bit intimidated because I'm not sure I'm prepared. Let me ask you this, Jeff. Do you find athletes that show a lack of confidence because they've been playing ball their entire lives and not sure they can really succeed in corporate America? Well, I would say it's, I wouldn't say lack of confidence. I would call it lack of being prepared. Some of it is arrogance, Ray. It's, uh, you know, and you know as well as I do, it's what have you done for me lately? So they think that because of their name or because of who they were, that, that they're going to walk in and somebody's just going to give them a job. But, you know, you're just like anybody else once you come off that field. And if you're not prepared and you haven't done your homework and your research when you go into the interview, you haven't read that bottom line and look at the balance sheet and look at their their uh, their their you know their their annual report and be able to talk their language. They don't care what you did on the field. And so, guy, how do we get them prepared? That these prerequisites of which, uh, of course, Jeff just mentioned that you need to take care of before you get there to understand that now that person might feel you are. Uh, prepared to take on this because you looked at a uh, financial statement. You know, well, you, you, yeah. Well, Ray, you you hear me say this all the time, and I'm all about the repetition. So, I really believe that you know the guy that started playing ball in the fifth grade, and he he's a wide receiver, and he's run you know twenty thousand out routes. He's so confident to the point of arrogant about his ability to run an out route because he knows he can do it. And and so the first step in getting the athlete uh, competent in the in the traditional world of work is to get the athlete comfortable that he has to get the reps at it. And 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 there is a learning curve. So you are a scrub in business. You're the you're the guy at the end of the bench. 
begging the coach to get in and you really want to play. And I need you to, when you go out there and play, I need you to play hard. I was just with the University of Georgia's team yesterday uh, doing an educational piece around agents and transferring into the NFL. And I, and I, I read some information to them that I collected from uh, some folk on the NFL competition committee and NFL player personnel. They identified six key skills to make it in the National Football League. A lot of it had to do with what Jeff just talked about, past performance, character, ability to learn, work habits, competitive toughness, and in this case, athletic ability. So the athletic ability is the X factor here that, you know, is the, is the, is the, act, the business acumen. That's, that's comparable or analogous to athletic ability. There's only a few things you can do in, in, in business, IT, HR, sales and marketing, customer service, I mean, it's a will, and you know you have to know what you're going to be and get the reps at it. And I'm, I'm, I say that like a broken record, Ray, but I know that that's the formula because I guarantee you that you went through it that way, and Jeff went through it that way when you left the field. Yeah, and you know it's, it's interesting you say that because it kind of leads into what I was going to say, and that is, you know, many times for me, and I, and I got to be honest about this, there are times where we'll be places. You know, in public, and there are other athletes that there that may be there that perhaps may be, uh, maybe not as polished as the next athlete, and and it just could be because that person has a chance hasn't got a chance to get his reps in, but but that seems to be the person of which the media always gets access to. They never want to reach out and find out the fact that. Yes, Jeffries may not, you know, be that same person in terms of how he looks. Maybe he gained maybe five more pounds than he did have on his body 25 years ago. But that's, but, that's that, <laughs> but that's that same person. But because he doesn't look like he did 25 years ago, you think he's not a former athlete. But he is. But you don't want to talk to him. You want to talk to the other former athlete that perhaps maybe – uh, has 25 pounds on him, and and perhaps he's a little bit more, if you will, embarrassing to the profession in terms of you know men who have dignity and pride in terms of 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 wanting to be successful when they leave the field. Jeff, I feel like you've done something. A guy's been successful. He's done some things. I've done some things. Do you feel as if early intervention is is needed, Jeff? You, you probably got a blueprint of success that you could share with many other players. As you look back over your life, do you think that there are some things that you've done that that you know that blueprint could be shared with other people? And if so, how early in life do they need to start preparing themselves to be that successful corporate executive that you are today? Well, I, I think it starts in high school. Uh, and I think it starts with the, the whole preparation or mental preparation around understanding who you are and what you're about and then having goals and aspirations to achieve. You know, you can't put all your eggs in one basket from a perspective of, of football. But what I did was early on, Ray, when I got to college, I found me a mentor. I found me someone that I aspired to be like or that I was in, impressed with, a Ron Simpkins and a Curtis Greer, who you know, who, who played oh, in yes. the league as well. Guys that not only had character, but guys that, that, that taught me the ropes. I mean, you had one in my guess, you know, a good friend of mine right. who I grew up with. Uh, and so that blueprint was around, one, having a mentor, two, being disciplined, and three, was building character around who, me understanding who I was and what I wanted to do in life and preparing myself early that if the league didn't come, 
I was prepared by having my degree in my education in Michigan and not just focusing on chasing the ball. Hey, Guy, let me ask you something. How important is it that players continue to to demand that services like those that you provide in terms of, you know, supportive services to assist players, as as you heard Jeff talk about mentors, you know, certainly there are corporate mentors out there where perhaps maybe players in the offseason could participate in internships. How important is it for the league to hear the need and the desire from players for them to constantly hear that in order for them to continue to support these kind of programs? Well, Ray, I'll, I'll go a step back, and not to beat a dead horse, but I, I work so often in the professional sports space uh, and and a little less in the college space and very little in the high school space, but that's where it begins because when if you go through the gauntlet in high school and college, you know what to ask for in the pros. So I want to just talk to you about a conversation I had yesterday with Coach Rick and at Georgia and two athletic administrators, Dr. Carla Williams and uh, and Mr. Uh, uh, Robert Miles, who's over life skills and, and that. And, and this was the essence of the conversation. Hey, there's everything under the sun at the University of Georgia, but the, the kids themselves have to max it out. you got to take it all. And so the athlete typically will take the free ride, you know, the clothes, the the opportunity to jump the line in the club, the pretty girl, but will you take the tutor? Will you take the, the study lab? Will you take the booster and meet with him about something serious? And so in my mind, the, the reps that the athlete have, the mental preparation that the athlete needs to have is about, man, they're some of the richest and most successful people in the world in my high school and my college, and I need to I need to max my relationships out with them relationships, and I need to I need to get everything out of this university. At twelve twelve potential pros at Georgia yesterday, eight of them talking about leaving campus in January. So I challenged them, why would you leave this place? Three hots in a cot, the best facilities in the world. Uh, you know, you're comfortable. Why would you go to Boca or Phoenix to go pay some money for someone to work you out and it's right here? And and maybe you could take a finance course, three hours. That's right. Well, I, I, I think, and, and I agree with what you're saying, Guy. And and what that says to me is it sounds as if, and again, not to be the dead horse, as you said, but it sounds to me that perhaps maybe we also need to dig a little bit deeper and there needs to be some education shared in terms of, the kind of athletes is being developed from the home. Because it sounds like some of this information in terms of what is a priority is, you know, perhaps maybe in the home, the priority may be the same as what these kids come to campus expecting. The big car, the bling bling, you know, the you know, standing in line first, you know, perhaps maybe at home there needs to be a shift in terms of, again, because you're on this dual path, you're a student athlete, that you should put in as much time as you possibly can to achieve that other side because that's going to be something you're going to have to lean on more. Hey, than, Ray, yes. I don't mean to jump in, but, you, you know, it's fool's gold. Now, you guys went to those Big Ten institutions where, where you know, you, you probably could get cars and stuff. I went to Wichita State and Howard, so I didn't – I wasn't fortunate. <laughs> we didn't get – we didn't get – no, 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 we don't get cars at Ohio State. They let do me, that let up – no. But it's, it's fool's gold. So we all know the athlete that got the – got the fine automobile to go to college. 
And we all know that that automobile depreciated, and maybe he drove it for six years, and the new car smell wore off. Well, I, I think the guy should have asked for something else. You know, endow a scholarship for in my name forever, and I can decide who gets it. Hey, Ray, but let me, let me, let me chime in on that. We all know the great name Marcus Dupree. Yes. The greatest running back to come out of Philadelphia, Mississippi, that's supposed to be the, the high, most highly sought recruit to go to Oklahoma, and the baddest thing going, best running back ever. And, and what's he doing now? Because he wasn't prepared, come out of Philadelphia, went to Oklahoma, blew up that knee, struggled in the NFL, and today he's driving a tractor. Now, there's nothing wrong with driving a tractor, but my point is here's a guy that had everything in front of him and didn't take advantage of the things that the guy's talking about here. He didn't prepare himself. He wasn't ready for the real world, and now he's out there struggling trying to make uh, uh, ends meet because he didn't have that discipline or that focus and thought the sports would take him through life. And I'm, I'm going to agree with you to a certain point. And, and here's where I'm going to differ just a little bit, Jeff. But I, but I think we're saying the same thing. I think we all are saying the same thing. But, again, I think a lot of it has to do with those early on influences in life. And, yeah. if, and, if, and if those people, it's like somebody give you directions. If somebody give you directions to go left and somebody else give you a direction to go right, well, the person go left and go right unless it, you know, it ends up a circle, they're going to end up in two different places. So right. if, if that individual is not having a solid foundation at home and his mentors when they're young, because now, and Guy, you might be able to speak to this a little bit, what's happening in basketball, in particular with these AAU teams, there's a different agenda of these people that come into the lives of these athletes and start influencing them. So, therefore, that's where I think also, that's why I'm trying to get to this early intervention early on in life, maybe even much earlier. Like you said, the guy, I know you're not you know, with the high schools, but I know of a young man that when he was in high school, he was getting paid in high school. I know of a yeah. young man. you know, And so those type of things, guy, I mean, do we have to dig a little bit deeper to try to help these young men survive at an early age? Because, you know, the, the parasites are all around, you know, eating off of them from very early in life. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it, it's a double-edged sword, guys, and I know all three of us could argue on the other side that, you know, the 20-hour rule in college isn't really real, where a, the coach, the, they're only supposed to practice 20 hours in a week, but if you're a, a highly competitive college football player, you know that coach is demanding you give him 40 hours in the weight room, watching film, showing him that you're committed to, 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 to helping the team win. So there are conditions in place in sports that make it really challenging for an athlete who has a success makeup to really juggle them both. But, you know, we can't let them off the hook, man. It's your responsibility to take care of your life. That's right. So I know I know coaches that only coach ball. They now they may they have you know, they they have humanistic tendencies, but they're not they're not wired to make you a doctor or a lawyer. They're wired to make you a ball player. So Robert Smith at your university Wanted to go pre-med. Very smart guy. Came up in the right environment. Had two parents. When he got to Ohio State, the rubber met the road. Do I, do I play football and get to the NFL or do I become a doctor? What road did this very bright man take? He tried to challenge the university, but I agree with you. I concur. You got you, you make a point. You make a point. And that's what I'm saying. It, it, it could be – I think many times people don't understand the pressure of making yeah. these kind of decisions at such a young age – you know, you sit down a lot of times with executives, you know, making decisions on, on your well-being. And, guy, we were just down uh, with Thomas Jones in, in Florida. 
and, and talking about these very things. And so sometimes I think, and again, it's not that I'm making excuses for the athlete. I just think that there's people like the three of us who are a part of this conversation today that we need to advocate more for the athlete because he can't advocate for himself because he has to be focused on, like you talked about, guy, that coach wants you to win football games. I think your job is challenging, guy. If I'm a head coach at, at, at Alabama, I'm Nick Saban. You come in, you want to talk to my players about, you know, transitioning and things of that nature. You know, Nick got to win football games. That's a, he talked about the return on their investment. They pay him $5 million, what they get in return. You know, so he understands where his rubber meets his road at. And so with all these realignment, all these other things, I'm wondering who is there really advocating on behalf of what's best for this athlete? You talked about some I don't understand why this should be a perpetual opportunity for the guy to even come back and finish his education if he didn't, you know. And so I'm just wondering if indeed with some of the things that, that you, you see out there, guy, are the roadblocks even getting harder for you as you try to advocate and to provide these services for these young men that everybody seems, not everybody, but a lot of people don't understand, if you got the money, you should be able to be successful. Are, are there roadblocks even starting to jump up in your way? Well, I would, I would pose this question back to Jeff. And, and, I, and I, don't, I don't know everything about you, Jeff, but I want, I want you to think about this. Let's, let's take, I'm going to give you two analogous situations. I'm going to take you, Jeff, and Magic Johnson. You know, you know one's an apple, one's an orange. And let's take Michelle Obama and Halle Berry, okay? And so you guys get the visual image I'm painting here. Michelle is a, a, a you know, she fits the profile that, you know, 90% of, you know, really, really educated men would probably, over the long haul, take Michelle Obama, right? Right. But, but, but is very enticing. So in the short term, she's, she's so pretty, I'm probably just going to go there, right? right? I don't care if there's substance inside or not. She don't have to be a lawyer. She don't have to be smart. And so that same thing happens with athletes. Jeff, no, they don't know him to be like Magic Johnson. So Magic is much more alluring to the masses. But yeah. Jeff needs to walk back through the door of the NFL and Michigan and the Big Ten and demand the same attention that they will give Halle Berry or Magic Johnson because that's the person that can really articulate this. Michael Jordan will never be a great coach, right? He proved that. Because he's he's too much of a star. So so the the, the 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 average Joe Jeff, if you will, in sports, the the, the average the well transition guy is the is the one to make the difference. You're not the elite player in my mind. Okay, I and, and I and I want and I want to challenge that because guy, you know that I, I have uh, I, I have a challenge that I've put to many people, uh, and and um, it, it has something to do with those who have been very successful in life. And, and there is, uh, I think, um, let's say an obligation they have to perhaps maybe to participate in assuring the success of many, many more, provided they can get past that, that sense of arrogance that they might find in the world of entertainment and sports. So if we can get the, that intellectual to match up with that athlete and entertainer and, and the resources and, 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 and the, the social uh, commerce that we have, uh, it could be leveraged and, and, and monetized. And so, I, you know, I guess, Jeff, I, if, I, if I hear Guy right, uh, Guy has, you know, kind of answered the question for me. And, and that is executives like yourself, you know, advocating for the athlete because you are one of those people that could possibly stand up and say to them, 
no, you can't just broad brush and say that all athletes, you know, all the dumb jock theory and all that stuff. Shout out to my, my good brother up in heaven, Dave Doris, and we used to talk about this a lot. But there is a need. What can you do, Jeff? Or, 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 or can you or, or answer the question this way? What can you assist Guy in based upon you've been on the inside in terms of perhaps maybe sharing some information with, you know, Guy, you know, perhaps maybe if we go down, if we go north instead of south, so to speak, yeah. you know, we could have a little bit more success. Is there, do you think that the athletes perhaps maybe, um, you know, need to have those internships if they would in college instead of looking to make some money? Uh, do, should they take internships uh, in the offseason? Some of this guy knows and, and some perhaps maybe he wouldn't know. But for you, because I'm trying to get that blueprint out of you, as you look back, on your life, and now where you are today, looking from the top floor down, what information right. can you send down to those young men and share with Guy as to, Guy, here's a piece of that blueprint. Well, I think, I think part of that blueprint is, 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 is just what you just said, Ray, uh, is key to, uh, I think, do the internships early. Uh, it's making those connections that, you, that while you're in the league or while you're in college, those connections and flourishing those connections that leads in the opportunity. A lot of time, it's a lot of smoke and mirrors, and we don't capitalize on opportunities that come our way. So the internship is one. I would say the second, I'm going to go back to the mentoring piece. You know, what's helped me so much, you know, from transition from sports has been I've always had good people around me or people that I could look to and ask the right questions, and I had the willingness to learn. Uh, and as they saw me, the willingness to learn and, and take the chip of the arrogance off, uh, they were more willing to to help me. Uh, and the last piece is we got to continue to foster to help others. And I think whether it's professional athletes or going back uh, to the college uh, or going back to high schools, you know, we got to provide an opportunity and we got to demand that our that our young brothers and sisters and things of of, of sort uh, have a better opportunity than we had. That we're not just an item or a commodity that uh, they got to take care of us, and it starts in the classroom. Hey, Guy, what, what have you seen over the past 13 years? You've been doing a Player Network event. What success have you seen? What keeps you motivated and uh, keeps you going back to the table every year and not giving up on this uh, opportunity to assist players in their transition? Well, I, I can speak to it. It's very hard to speak to it from individual um, sort of accomplishments because each individual relationship is it's personal and it's different and, you know, I can, you know, it's even hard to quantify how many people you may have impacted in a positive way. But, but really, I'm, you know, we are in America and this is a capitalistic structure. And so this is what motivates me the most is that in football and basketball, I use this number a lot, you know, 2,500 young, talented men touch $6 billion a year. And that fraternity only increases by <clears throat> by about 300 in 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 the NBA and the NFL year, three three to 400. And so when you just do the math on that, six billion, two thousand men, only increasing let's say about 500 a year. That's a small number of people to impact to make it, make a huge difference. So that's the opportunity that wakes me up every day. If we can just get, you know. All, all 2,500 of those guys in one given year, you know, when you're leaving, 
Stop being a consumer. When you come in, stop being a consumer. Put all your money under a mattress. We've made a big difference. We saved $12 billion in two years. Wow. Uh, those are some those are some numbers out there. I hope I hope those people that are listening uh, across uh, the world uh, that you truly understand what he said. And and he did he did not speak incorrectly. He spoke correctly. Twenty five hundred guys, billions of dollars, six billion annually. And those five hundred guys coming in, that's just because again that number stays at at twenty five hundred because if somebody comes in, that means somebody's got to leave. So right. the number's not growing by five hundred every year. That number sticks around about 2,500 professional athletes every year. Uh, Jeff, what you miss about that's the That's just two sports. That's just two sports. I didn't get into Jay-Z or, or, <laughs> yeah, or we didn't, the that, hockey guy or the boxer or uh, Sugar Shane or, 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 or you know, we didn't even get to those guys. Right. And, that, and, and I, I said this when I first came to Phoenix. I actually met with a, a very prominent, at least in name, individual, and I shared that information with that individual. And one day I'm going to put that out. Uh, but that individual had no interest in working with spoiled millionaires, if you will, that you can't tell them what to do with their money. Well, maybe a percentage of those guys may be spoiled, but there is a great deal of those gentlemen that are looking for somebody to help them and assist them uh, to secure what they've earned and worked so hard. Hey, Jeff, tell me this, man. What do you miss about the game? Uh, the relationships. Wow. Uh, the relationships that was built. You know, uh, you know, my good friend Kenny Easley taught me a lot. He taught me how to be a warrior, you know, and, and, uh, you know, I, I miss those kind of relationships. The Dave Browns, the, the Kenny Easleys, the, the Steve Largents, you know, guys that were character guys and guys that were competitive and that taught you how to be a strong Christian man, but also taught you how to be a man. What what is it if somebody brought you into corporate America to provide them with the motivational speech that they had set a goal to accomplish something that they never accomplished in life that you could draw from an experience you had in football that you could share with that audience to motivate those people to believe that they could do whatever they were challenged to do? Well, I think the big thing is teach them how to build their brand. You know, you know, uh, everybody's a brand. You know, you you look at you know the Nike swatch, you look at. Coca-Cola Bear, you look at the Pepsi symbol, it's teaching them how to be their brand and be the best they can be. Because once you understand who you are, the sky is the limit. So dream big and, and strive big and don't let every, anyone ever tell you what you can't achieve. It's about motivating yourself and achieving the goals and don't stop till you accomplish that dream. I'm going to ask you another question. Uh, one of the greatest football coaches that ever walked the earth, certainly ever walked the football field, was a man by the name of Bo Schembechler. Of course, Coach, Coach Bo had a lot to do with The Ohio State University as well. But, of course, uh, you know, he, 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 his butter was bread up at the University of Michigan. Tell me a little bit about Bo. You know, I, I, I'm not one who always like to say that these men were father figures because I just don't believe that anybody replaces your father. If it's your stepfather or if it's your father and he's there, whoever that person is, that's your father. Nobody replaces him. But as a football coach mentor, leader, whatever, what kind of example, what kind of a man was, was Bo that you could share with the audience for those people uh, who may not have heard this before? Well, you know, Ray, the biggest, I tell people all the time when I talk to folks, Bo Schemperger came into my gym at, at Linda McKinley, uh, down the, the, the north end of town when I was a junior and interrupted me in basketball. You know, we were the basketball champs there in the state of Ohio. Uh, 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 excuse me, I'm sorry. And, Did you say Ken uh, McKinley? You said Lyndon McKinley. Okay. I'm, I'm giving it to you, Ray. I'm giving it to you, brother. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and so, Bo, Bo came in. What was interesting was, 
from my junior year to the time the day I signed and told Coach Hayes I wouldn't come to Ohio State, uh, Bo never talked sports. Never talked sports for two years. What Bo did was he Bo recruited kids based on what was important to the family, and Bo didn't ask the day I signed with Michigan. He said, so what position do you want to play? Because well, I was a quarterback in high school, and Ray knows me and Art Sleister were the two top quarterbacks in the state of Ohio. And Art went to Ohio State, and I went to Michigan. And uh, Bo never, ever talked sports. What Bo talked to me about was being a better man, talked about character. He said, you, he says, you'll get a degree from here, and you'll be able to do anything with your degree anytime you leave here. He never talked sports. So Bo was focused on me as a gentleman. He cared about what my parents thought. My mom told him, said, Coach Schimbacher, as long as my son graduates, I'll turn my son over to you. But if you're not going to help him graduate, then he won't be coming to Michigan. And Bo says, I'm about my kids graduating and being better men. And there was nobody any better than that. I mean, I had the Harbaugh boys. You know, Jack Harbaugh recruited me. You know, John and Jimmy's dad. And, you know, I love Jack to death. But it was all about character. And Bo wanted to build the academic side of these kids. And I'll never forget that. Well, hey, Jeff, I appreciate you sharing that story with us. But I'm going to go a little bit deeper, man, because you said something about there. And that's that foundation. Mama said she wanted her that's son right. to get an education. And I think that's what we Mama, need to make sure. That's exactly right. Yeah, I think we need to make sure that many more of these parents are focused on their kids getting an education instead of buying them a new car and a new house and things of that nature. Hey, I want to thank my good friend Guy Troop from Troop 21, who, again, will be hosting the Player Networking event. Guy, where can they find some information out about the Player Networking event at? You can go to troop21.com. That's T-R-O-U-P-E-2-1.com. Go to the events tab or the Player Networking tab, and you'll see everything you need there. All right. Well, hey, uh, I hear a little music in the background. Man, this show went really fast, but I certainly enjoyed it. You've been listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. I can't believe I'm going to say this, but hell. And I'll see you next time, which will be the best time. I didn't finish it. <laughs> Thanks, Jeff, my good friend. Of course, Jeff Reed, the vice president of human resources at GTM Sportswear. See you next week, guys. Thank you.